0: And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. And boy, oh boy, George, is it good to officially be back. We are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. I guess, can we say, George, the first official day of training camp, no practice. That's on Wednesday. It was report day. Chris bowed me with the media. We'll discuss what he said as well. Can we technically call it like the, the first day of training camp?
1: Yeah, first day back at school, right? All everybody right. getting together, everybody saying hello, haven't seen anybody in a while. Um, And then just being back at Westfield, you know, getting getting back underway, the, the annual summer stop. Uh, it's funny how much it feels familiar. Like you're gone there for a year and you get back and you walk in and it's like you never left. I, I think it's because you're there so long, Uh, you always kind of feel like, oh, I've got to get my feet wet and, and kind of ease in. No, you, you're back and it's like you never left.
0: Back like you never left. And you're right, too. The first day of school, nothing actually ever gets done. It's more just about, hey, friends are back. You know, get the feel of the classrooms again. No one actually learns on the first day. Just like no one actually practices on the first day training camp. So the first official day is here. Let me ask, George, because I know at least for me, I'm still – I know, maybe not PTSD's the right word, but I still definitely hear first day of school. I I shudder still a little bit. Do you have butterflies last night? Waking up, was there a little extra pep in the step? First day of school is back. First day of training camp is back here. How are the emotions going into uh, Westfield for day one?
1: You know, I didn't really. This is my 14th training camp, and so I think for me, it's it's sort of it takes a lot to get me excited. You know, these days, um, and I'm just getting older, and I think that's part of it too. But I think you can you can feel it from the players that there's a little bit of juice. I think they can now officially put 2022 behind them, which they're really ready and, and wanting to do. Uh, because to me, this is where the 2023 season starts. Right? I mean, the off season starts at at the combine every year, and you can kind of flip the page from the previous year. But this is where the new season starts. Now you're at training camp. You're you're preparing. You know, from tomorrow on, you're preparing for the Jaguars uh, in week one.
0: That is true. Thank, thankfully, George, we can put 2022 behind us. I've been ready to do that for a very, very long time. Holy cow. But also good to know takes a lot for you to get excited. New head coach, new rookie quarterback, George is, Oh God, nothing to get excited about this. You are a tough cookie to crack, man. You are someone who the bar is high for you to get excited.
1: So we've been around them already though. Like, you know, it, it feels like they're not new already. Like I was. I will say, like, I did get the little butterflies before the first open practice with Richardson. It was fun. Like, let's go see, you know, what, what the new kid looks like. Um, but now that's kind of all behind us. And I think training camp, it, it's going to be an intriguing training camp. You know, the, I, I'm not trying to downplay that part of it. I think there's a lot uh, that we're going to learn about this football team over the next month. And I think there's a lot of positions that are open. It, last few years, you kind of went in and you felt like, Maybe forty-eight spots on a three-man roster were already kind of solidified, and and there might be some some depth competition going on. But there really weren't starting jobs open. And and this year, you know, what two cornerback jobs, tight end, right guard, the number three receiver, which is a starting role for all intents and purposes. There's a lot of open spots on, on this in this camp, and I, that's gonna. I think that's gonna lead to more competition and and lead to more interesting things happening.
0: Training camp is definitely going to be fun. There's going to be a, literally so many storylines to talk about. Let's dive into him, George, because even though today there's no practice, you know, we still had players and Chris Ballard meeting the media. And one of the, I think the biggest talking points of training camp is going to, I think, be Jonathan Taylor and his contract status here moving forward. Last year of his deal, obviously, especially the last two weeks, really since the franchise tag deadline come and gone, and you had Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, especially two guys looking for extensions, did not get one from their respective teams. Now we start to look ahead to guys like Jonathan Taylor, who are next in line to get paid and what he is going to do. Now, it was a little bit of a circus for about, what, 15 minutes, George? You had Ian Rappaport reporting that that Jonathan Taylor, it was, what, I think 9.50 a.m., did not show up to uh, mandatory report day. And then a few minutes later, the Colts Twitter handle does post a picture of Johnny Taylor showing up. So there will be no holdout. And at this point, unless you're Chris Jones, and I still don't know if you're Chris Jones, why you're doing this to the Chiefs. If you hold out your bare minimum, I think it's a $40,000 fine a day. It makes no financial sense. $50,000 fine. Hey, thank you, George. It makes zero financial sense to skip practice anymore. You can't do it. The fans are uh, the fines are mandatory. So if anything, I mean, it's tough for running backs to get money as it is. It'd be even tougher now for Jonathan Taylor to piss away 50K every single day to make some sort of statement about getting paid. Let me ask Please. you this, George, because it's clearly, right, it's obvious. Running backs are not getting paid. Quarterbacks are, receivers are, defensive ends are, corners are. People associated with a passing game are getting money. The running game is losing money a lot. Does Jonathan, Lever, uh, does Jonathan Taylor, I should say, with his specific situation here in Indy, does he have any leverage, unlike Saquon, unlike Josh Jacobs, unlike any other running back in the league that's trying to get a new deal and has failed, is there anything Taylor has a leg up on compared to those other running backs where you think a deal is more likely than maybe it has been or what we've seen so far in previous cases?
1: I mean, I, I can't really think of, of any angle that, that he can pursue. You might draw a little bit of, Confidence from the fact that Chris Ballard has been willing to pay positions that the rest of the league may not value as much. You know, he gave Quentin Nelson a big second deal. Um, Even Shaq Leonard as an off-the-ball linebacker isn't, you know, really high up on the list of, of positions that are, you know, getting big money around the league. But like you just talked about, the running back market across the league is just so poor right now. Uh, as a result of that, there isn't really a trade market either. So I don't know two reasons that you hold out would be to get the big money, right. Or to, to get moved. And I don't see either one of those things really being in play here. Um, you never know. It only takes one team. I think that's the big, that's always the caveat in the league, right? Just, just one team deciding to do something is, is enough to, to get a player paid. But, it really feels like it's league wide right now. I mean, Saquon got a million dollars. I think it was extra off the, the, the tag. uh, And that's being hailed as a major victory. That's the state of the running back situation right now. You get $2 million up front and an extra million dollars in incentives. If the giants make the playoffs and that's being seen as a win. Uh, That's just, that's the state of the running back market. That's why against that backdrop, I think it's hard for, on top of the fact that you've got a new system, a new head coach, um, he hasn't even practiced yet in this system with this coaching staff. There's there's just, there's a lot of, of unknowns there. Uh, and I think it's hard for him to, to really leverage anything at this point.
0: I have made it obvious, and especially if you haven't checked it out, don't know what you're waiting for. It's still plenty of time here. Check out our training camp preview pod. We dropped it last week. 10 major questions going to training camp. One was going to be, Will Jonathan Taylor get an extension before week one? I said yes. I think the Colts should extend Jonathan Taylor. That's part of the reason why if you're watching on YouTube, and if you're not, what you waiting for, Blue Horseshoe Pod on YouTube, check us out. Run the damn ball, George. Not an accident this, ha- uh, this hat was worn today. I stand with JT. Look, it's tough out there. I understand. Here is why, though, I do think Jonathan Taylor has, from a running back's perspective at least, some sort of leverage. You look at other cases around the league. I think Jonathan Taylor is truly in a one-of-one situation where he is the only running back right now with a rookie quarterback. He is the only running back who has a rookie quarterback that's a project, that's a development, that is looking to increase, You know, like be, become more competent, become more consistent, work on flaws in his game. He needs a lot of help around him. And you look at not only is Jonathan Taylor the best offensive player the Colts have, He's also a guy where you look at the receivers, and that's an area where you really think can help accelerate a quarterback's growth. Look, Michael Pittman Jr., I think at times struggles with consistency and is really, I thought when the Colts drafted him, was going to kind of burst into the number one wide receiver scene. He's not gotten to that point yet. Alec Pierce had a promising rookie year, but again, he's still a guy that just one year on the scene. They have Josh Downs, who we expect to make a big impact or at least be heavily involved this season, rookie. A lot of the tight ends are unproven. So look at the if you look at the passing options, and right now Richardson has going into the year, there's not a security blanket. There's not someone there that truly you feel very confident in. No matter what the situation, no matter what the down, the coverage, they will win a battle, and you can kind of find them no matter what. Jonathan Taylor is that guy. And he's so far through three years, has shown consistent production, where his rookie year, he was third in rushing. 2021— leader in yards and touchdowns. I know last year he only played 11 games and was hurt, but those injuries I look at George are not debilitating. Like their ankle injuries. I understand it, but that's not something where I think you have to worry about in the long-term release. I would feel comfortable paying Jonathan Taylor. I think if you're Jonathan Taylor, I think you can kind of look at your situation specifically, especially with a young project as a rookie quarterback and try to make his life easier. How you do that is by putting good players around him. I think if you are Taylor looking around the rest of the landscape, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, I don't know what direction they're going in right now. They are clueless, so it doesn't make sense for them to pay a running back. The Giants just paid Daniel Jones. So at least they believe Daniel Jones can be the franchise quarterback, so it's not like they have to rely on Saquon Barkley to help them get over the top. You look at other situations, Nick Chubb, you know Austin Eckler, all those running backs that are either ending their deal soon or looking for extensions all have baytime quarterbacks and or wide receivers that teams are heavily invested in. The Colts have none of that. I think Jonathan Taylor is truly on an island here where he can look at Chris Powell, look at the Colts, say, you need me as much. I'm not going to say more, but you need me as much as I need you sort of situation that I don't think right now any other running back in the league can make that argument. Jonathan Taylor has again, it's small leverage. I don't think it's, he's going to be getting a record breaking deal, but I think he has more of a leg to stand on than Saquon, than Josh Jacobs, than Austin Eckler who tried to look for an extension and did not get one this year. Other running backs as well. I think Jonathan Taylor is in a, a class of his own within the running back community where I think it's a little more likely he gets a deal and he has a little bit more of an argument to get a deal compared to everyone else.
1: There's no doubt his importance to this franchise. Um you know, he's the best offensive player they have. He's the one sure home run threat that they have on offense that, that right now, I mean, we'll see how the year plays out, obviously. But right now, he's the one guy, if you're a defense coordinator, you're worried about. He's probably the one guy you are specifically game planning for. I think the problem for him is the Colts know they don't have to pay big money because no one around the league is. And I think that's where it comes back into, it's going to be an interesting thing to, to, to watch play out. Ballard mostly kind of sidestepped those questions today. as you would expect, um, he never wants to talk about contracts. It's not really uh, that that's been consistent from day one with him. Uh, but you know, he did say that they really like Jonathan and he he said they're basically taking a wait and see approach here that they they don't it, they're not concerned about whether it you know, leaks into the the start of the season. Um, that they'd done that with Grover Stewart a couple years ago and you know, his mm-hmm. extension during the season. Uh, and so they're not really worried about that. And, and he specifically brought up new head coach, new system, Taylor's coming off the ankle injury, let all those factors kind of play out and then, you know, kind of reassess where you are there. I think there's some wisdom in that. We really don't know what the Colts are going to do on offense this year. I think on paper, the pairing of Taylor and Richardson is really exciting. It's something that, you know, I I don't know uh, if you've seen a combo like that of a running quarterback and a a running back at that kind of game breaking level that both of them can be with their legs. I don't know if we've seen that before, Uh, but you know, a lot of people thought the Matt Ryan thing was going to work out last year too. It looked really good on paper and obviously in action, it didn't. So, I think there is some wisdom in kind of waiting. He's got a year on. It's not like he's not under contract. He's got this last year. He's going to play out on under anyway uh, and just see how things go, you know? And I, but having said that, I think he is deserving of that second contract. I think you and I have talked about it before. And maybe the Barkley situation is is pointing in this direction. I think you're just going to see running backs start to get shorter term deals. That, to me, is the answer here. Sign them to three-year deals and not five-year deals because it's only about three years that they're getting on, on these deals anyway. True. You know, When you see the Saquon you know, reworking of the franchise tag into a one-year contract, maybe that's a sign of where it's heading. Um, I don't know. But I think everything that you said about Taylor, it, it does make him unique in this market. Um, and I think he is uniquely important to the Colts in, in – you know, regard to the other running backs around the league. But there is a new system. You know, the run the damn ball regime is in Carolina now. So it's going to be interesting to see what what Shane Sykin makes of this and and how it all you know comes together.
0: That is a good point makes that's honestly something I did not take fully into consideration until you just mentioned it. I'm assuming Jonathan Taylor is going to be a big part of his offense because I think he is the most proven and the most consistent of any skilled player the Colts have. But you're all right. You look at recent history, whether it was in L.A. or in Philly. Shane Steichen and his offense has been more of a running back by committee, I believe. I believe I am correct in terms of the timeline of when they were there. I have to double check this. So I apologize for not having this off the top of my head. I believe Steichen was there when Melvin Gordon staged his holdout. And that did not work out very well with the Chargers. And he wanted more money. He was, you know, viewed as a bell cow back. That didn't really work. They running back by committee. Austin Eckler does kind of develop, but they kind of shared reps. In Philly, it was a true running back by committee. Whereas Hertz, it was Miles Sanders. like three other running backs as well that got legitimate carries. So it's not like Shane Sykin has a long history of the last two stops he's been at of relying on one guy to carry the ball like the Colts have with Jonathan Taylor so far through the first three years. But I think what Chris Bauer said today is also part of the reason why I think if you're the Colts. I think you still would feel pretty good about a Jonathan Taylor extension this year before we kind of even see what this offense looks like. This was Chris Ballard, quote, the running back market is what it is, but you pay good players. We think very highly of Jonathan. He's a great player and a great person. It will work out over time. And quote, also mentioned they had long talks in May, in June, and they're even going to talk again today. So talks are being had. There's obviously, At least preliminary interest on both sides, George. But I think the way Ballard phrased it is correct. You pay good players. I think sometimes, again, teams get sucked into running back market and just look at the running back as it is and kind of put them off to the side. Even if it's even though it's a position that's being devalued, if you're a good player, I think you still have room for your team, especially where the Colts are, they need good players on their team. Jonathan Taylor is a good player, even if he plays a diminished position. I would trust Shane Sykin to elevate and get the most value out of Jonathan Taylor right now if you pay him if you keep him around.
1: I think he has tremendous value when you're trying to bring along a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson or even, you know, if if the start of the season is with Gardner Minshew, any quarterback who's not Patrick Mahomes and is not a dominant force having that running back back there can help them immensely. You know, just keeping defenses honest, opening up passing lanes, doing all these things. But I think especially a rookie like Richardson and for Richardson to have him in, you know, and know that he's going to have him around for three years after this. That could be a major security blanket for him. Uh, so, I, you know, it's it's a move I would make. Certainly one that Ballard today sounds like he wants to. Uh, but again, I just don't think there's no reason for the Colts to pay 16 million dollars when the market's just not bearing that out, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out.
0: That sure does take two to tango, and you know, Jonathan Taylor, at least in reports, whether it was on the running back Zoom meeting that they had over the weekend, um, and even when the the news about Saquon Barkley came out that he was not getting an extension, he has been. I don't want to use the word vocal because it's it's not like he's out there standing up and you know, having you know making speeches uh in front of fans and in front of the media, but. He has at least been more maybe vocal in terms of this meeting and, and hearing his reaction to the running back market being devalued more than we traditionally seen from him so far in a normal setting in the first three years. I'm very interested whenever he does meet for the media for the first time, very interested to see his tone and how much he does kind of divulge of his frustration of how contract talks are going. And if he's going to, like you said, kind of be the flag bearer and say, I'm getting $16 million a bust, or if he is realistic in the sense that if they offer you 13. Take it because, as we know, that probably is the best offer you're going to get. And the offer is only going to go down and down and down. Maybe now the first offer you get in traditional negotiations is not the best one. Maybe for running backs, we're seeing the first offer they get maybe is going to be as good as it truly does get. But I, I still will stand firm, at least. Week one, we will see JT locked up going forward. And like you mentioned before, Ballard does have a history, and he's really kind of pushed this of extending players he drafted. Right? We know he's not huge in free agency whatsoever. He's very careful with spending money there, but he's absolutely not but shy and has a long tracker so far Anytime he's been an ending of paying the guys that are homegrown, paying the guys he drafts and develops and produce. It would be an outlier at this point if Jonathan Taylor is gone and signed somewhere else for a big-time deal compared to him signing a contract extension uh, with the Colts. A guy, speaking of paying the hometown guy, the Colts did that a few years ago with Shaq Leonard. Obviously, so far, his status has been up in the air, George, with his brief 2022 stint on the field. Could not get out there because of the back and nerve issues. We both were optimistic he was not going to start on PUP, and we got our answer today on Tuesday. Shaq Leonard is not going to be on the PUP list. He has cleared his physical, which is huge going forward, especially when you look at where where he was this time last year, starting on PUP um Chris Ballard did say today that even though he is cleared they're going to ease him back in and they're going to kind of work him slowly back into rotation I George take that as still a positive sign again I know that was uh, some of what we heard today from Ballard was kind of what we heard from last year uh as well and they're going to war oh you know work Shaq back and take it easy and we know he missed the first two games right as that Chiefs game was week three he came back and Or No, week four, excuse me, I was the Titans, I think it was. He missed the first three games for breaking his nose. So they worked him slowly back last year. Didn't exactly work. So even though it's a little bit of, you know, history repeating itself, I'm optimistic that he's not on PUP. He's able to pass the physical. And I do trust right now that they'll work him back to where I feel optimistic and somewhat confident. We'll see Shaq Leonard on the field week one. What is your reaction to the news that he's at least cleared his physical and not going to be on PUP?
1: Yeah, that was big. You know, I think that's one of the things that we were talking about. It would have been a major red flag if he was still on pup. Uh and I think it's good to see that he's gonna be out there. Uh he's not cleared for contact yet. That's something that's gonna be part of this building process. But it's it's light years ahead of where they were last year this time, when he was still on the sideline, he was on pup. Uh he ended up not being I don't think he was taken off of pup until cut down day. I think it was Yeah, thank you right the start of the regular season. Um, so you know, you watch that situation. He's he's ahead of where he was. I know he's a lot more optimistic, uh, or at least he was when we talked to him in the spring. And I think, you know, Zaire Franklin pointed out today, this is a guy a couple of years ago, missed all of OTAs, only was at training camp for one week, and then went out and led the league in turnovers. So, you know, it, we've seen him do it before. Um, we know he's a freak in, in, in that regard. I think the question on everybody's mind is can he get back to being that free-flowing, chaos-inducing, you know, making tackles all over the field linebacker he was for, you know, the first three years of his career? We're not going to get that answer right away. And we're probably not going to get it until, you know, regular season starts. So to me, it's it's very uh, good sign that he's out there, that he's going to be doing individual work. And I'm sure just as it was the last few years with the ankle, I'm sure every week there's going to be updates and, and all eyes on, well, is he doing more drills? Is he in team drills yet? Is he in 11 on 11? Is he in full contact? You know, that's going to be the way it goes. Uh, but I think the most important thing is they have a plan. He has a plan. And I think patience here, it's it's tough because the situation has gone on so long, but you really aren't going to know until they get out there against the Jaguars and he's in full uniform and you either see the maniac or you don't.
0: And if you go back to last year, I know it's kind of tough to compare just because again, we clearly found out the surgery wasn't exactly the first surgery. That is wasn't exactly perfect. And then we need another one. So it's maybe a little bit unfair to kind of, Quantify. Okay. Like you said, basically the end of training camp, he was off pup and he missed the first three games. So let's just say three weeks of practice is what he needed to feel good going to a true game week in week four against the Titans. So you look at now he's off pup and like I said, going to start training camp, not clear yet, but you think, I mean, what six weeks of training camp, right? Roughly until we get to uh, week one on September, September 10th, you got to feel like that's plenty of time. Even if you take it slow, where he can he can kind of be on his own pace and still be ramped up enough by the time the Jaguars come to town, you feel pretty good about him. Said at least being in a position physically to go out there and, and compete and not be worried about him, like I said, getting either re-injured or being a step slow. Um, and should be in you know have enough time to knock the rust off. So I think it's an optimistic day, even though again it's not fully back. Right, it's still going to be a slow process. And like you said, it's going to probably still be. A few weeks before we see him back in full team, Joe's kind of maybe being back fully without any limitations. But right now, compared to last year, time is absolutely on their side, George. Um, That is for sure, and also helps too. I mean, we talked this a lot. The wins and losses don't matter in twenty twenty three, right? Last year was Matt Ryan was there playoff. We thought this was a playoff team or division winning team. So there's still. That sense of urgency to get him on the field soon because, hey, look, we got to get wins, especially with the way they start the season. Not ideal. You want to get him back there and right the ship before it's too late. Obviously, we know it never happened. But this year, even if he misses week one or you're extra careful and you want to save him for week two or three, do whatever you got to do at this point and make sure he's fully back The when he does return to the field. He's 100% and not rushed, maybe like he was last year when, again, there's a little bit more sense of urgency because this was a playoff team you're trying to capitalize on this year. It would be an absolute miracle if they're even in playoff contention, let alone being a playoff team. Speaking of which, George, one guy who has big control of how good or bad the Colts are in 2023 will be rookie QB Anthony Richardson. Obviously now, first full training camp going to start tomorrow. So very excited to see what the rookie has. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So I'm not going to say he is this player. But I think a comp that we should look at more and more closely for what Anthony Richardson's game hopefully develops into, I think should be Shane Sykins, former quarterback and Jalen Hurts. If you can get Jalen Hurts out of Anthony Richardson, I think, again, we're talking about a home run pick and we are talking about a guy that's going to be indie for a very long time. And I don't know about you, George, I loved to hear what Michael Pittman Jr. said about so far the development of Anthony Richardson, what he has seen. He said, quote, I just can't see him not being successful and quote I referenced how often um, the, uh, Richardson is buried in his iPad, learning, constantly trying to improve, constantly trying to get, you know, the offense down and make sure he's in a position to succeed. I feel like the, he works too hard to fail line was used a lot with Jalen Hurts, and you hear about it, whether it was with Lincoln Riley, talk about that, or even early on with the Eagles, like, he was so dedicated that they thought this guy's not going to, like, it's impossible for him not to work out. I feel very excited, George, um, about right now, Richardson's development going forward. But if that's, like, if he's clearly putting in the work, I think the more you hear guys like Pittman talk about it, the more you can start to believe, like, this is going to be a guy that you can now start to rely on and start to believe is going to work out more than not.
1: I mean, we know he's got the physical skill that that's right. quite evident to everybody. Um, you, you hear this work ethic and, and, you know, the point where Pittman said you can't even get his face out of the, the playbook. You know, he, he's got his head down in there. He's looking at the playbook. You're trying to get his attention and he's shut off to the world. Um, which I think is what you want to see with your rookie quarterback, right? He's just all, all about the playbook right now, all about getting this down, you watch, you know, a little bit of his film, and and you can see the pocket presence that he has. It's all there. All the pieces are there. The question now is, you know, can he put them all together uh, and go out there on Sundays and, and win football games? Um, I, I do think a huge factor in in Jalen Hurts was his commitment. And Shane Steichen has said this: he was there, you know, for for the two years uh, of Jalen as a starter, and. That's what separated him, that, that absolute drive and desire to do whatever it took to get better every day and, and to be the best player he could possibly be. And that's what Sykin said, you know, way back in February uh, when we were talking about what is he looking for in a quarterback? That's the first thing he brought up. And it looks like they got that guy. They got what they wanted in that regard. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I do think, you know, from Richardson's standpoint, there are questions, there are obvious questions. It didn't all come together on the field in Florida, Uh, but there's a lot of things that were going on there and he's still extremely young. Uh, And now when you look at it, the physical components there, the mental components there, the work ethic is there. Yeah. You understand why Michael Pittman makes a statement like that.
0: Now, from a maturity standpoint, I think it's almost impossible to say that those two in terms of Hertz and Richardson are the same, just because you look at Jalen Hertz, they're at Alabama for three years, you look at the ups and downs of getting benched in a national title game, losing a starting job, not tra- like that's a 25 year old who's like has a 45 year old, 50 year old, maybe even 70 year old mindset where he's seen a lot of you know what, and he just knows how to handle it. Never gets too high, never gets too low. But you hear Chris Ballard even mention that. Not that that's right now the mentality of Richardson, but that's what he's trying to work on is making sure hey, when the highs are high, like let's not get too carried away and let's not feel ourselves too much, but also. Bad game, three picks, which is bound to happen, especially for a a guy right now of Richardson's stature of inexperience and being a rookie, bad games happen all the time. But don't let that kind of weigh you down. And that's one of the things, like I said, outside of being committed, outside of just dedicating your entire life to being the best quarterback, you can be doing everything possible to put yourself in that position to succeed. It's also keeping that level mindset of, I'm not going to get too excited. I'm not going to get too down on to the next play. And that's, those are small things that, May not sound important now, George, right? And okay. Training camp starting. We haven't really seen anything. So who cares? Like you should be excited if you throw a pick uh, or you should be excited to throw a touchdown. If you're excited about throwing a pick. Also maybe let's get the NFL and and gambling investigations going on there and seeing uh, what's, what's up there. We're celebrating some, some bad plays, but that is something that I think Richard's going to have to, you know, obviously just go through to experience, but so far, the earlier views of the character off the field, like you said, George, it checks at this point, every box Shane Sykin specifically was looking for when it comes to the mental makeup and how quarterbacks approach the game. I think you're hearing more and more positives right now from Anthony Richardson and from his teammates, which is obviously the most important guys you want to hear it from.
1: Absolutely. I, I, one of the funny things is, you know, from the spring, you know, Richardson kept talking about he's he's probably as hard on himself as anybody that he's constantly gone to the quarterback's coach and the offense coordinator and saying, you know, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am, am I behind? You know, what else can I do? What else do I need to do? And I think with him, a lot of it is he's trying to accelerate beyond that that rookie step and he's got to understand he is a rookie. And I think that's part of what Ballard was talking about today is you got to understand there is a process here. It's going to take time. Uh, and they probably have to hold him back from himself a little bit, which again, I think is something, uh, the organization is probably pretty happy about.
0: Right. Oh yeah. Right. You definitely want to have a guy be too amped, too excited to learn rather than the other way around where it's slow and not wanting to learn. That's yeah. Not a good recipe for success. For sure. You did have Chris Ballard uh, today saying that they're going to take their time, right? They're not going to rush Richardson. They're going to play him when they're ready. They're going to have the coaches um, coaches basically be the deciding factor of when he's going to play and preseason is going to be a lot this is going to be a really interesting camp clearly i mean that's i know we've talked about this a lot and we've kind of built our entire offseason once the draft happened up to this point of training camp's going to decide it but it sounds like at least early on they're going to give richardson the chance to go earn the job uh and go wrestle it away from Gardner minchu
1: i think that's what they prefer to happen you know in a perfect world you sit them down and You know, what outcome do you want to see? I think that's what they would prefer to see is that Richardson goes out there and earns the job. But it's key right there is he will have to earn it. You know, and Ballard praised Gardner Minshew a lot today as well. Uh, Gardner seems like one of those guys that that wants that job and, and believes that he should be the starter, but also is the kind of guy that that will support Richardson. And if he is the backup, I think he's a perfect guy in that in that regard. To be a mentor and to, you know, help him is is another set of eyes on the sideline. He seems like he's got the right mentality for that. I think for Richardson, and he said this himself, it's all about making strides every day. That's his big thing right now. He's gotta show he's at a level in all areas. And that's what we've talked about a lot, you know, over the spring. Is a lot of this is gonna come down to and Ballard brought it up again is he ready to handle everything that's going to be on his plate? You know, everything that, that Steichen wants to run this offense, is is he ready to do that? Once they make that determination and that, you know, he's ready to go and win games, he'll be out there. If that's week one, I, I think they'll, there won't be any complaints. We've heard it from all three decision makers now. Jim Hersey said it, Shane Steichen has said it, and Chris Ballard said it today. You know, they need to play to get better. But it's up to Shane, and, and he'll make the determination of when when the time is right.
0: I think it's very – and it's maybe sometimes tough because, again, new quarterback, new head coach. So even though the gym's the same, it's still like a new regime and a new identity being formed. But I do think early on it's also a good sign that everyone's on the same page where you're right. Different words, but the message is all the same. We want to see Richardson on the field, but we also want to see him earn it. It's good right now that everyone's on the same page and that at least everyone's in the same camp and there's not – Ursay saying one thing, Ballard saying another, Shane can talking about something totally different, and it's all disjointed, and no one has any idea of what the hell is going on, kind of like the Bears a few years ago, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, or even Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, we've heard a lot of different things. It's good so far that we are seeing a united message from at least the front office and the decision makers going forward. Also, really, one other thing about the quarterbacks, I don't know, this cracked me up, I care about uniforms too much, I care about even, like, entrances too much. So I was cracking up today when the Colts social media is putting, you know, like the, the the rivals of big players coming in. You had John Taylor wearing a Taylor Town shirt, putting to bed any thought of a holdout as well. You had Anthony Richardson coming in. And they posted a picture of Gardner Minshew. I have never seen a entrance to training camp the way Gardner Minshew entered. Carrying shoulder pads, George. Usually you see players carrying maybe a TV to get ready for the dorm life. Or cleats, if they got, you know, some new cleats they want to break in. I've never seen a player carry their own shoulder pads into training camp. I just got to chalk it up as Gardner being Gardner, man.
1: Gardner being Gardner. I think you're going to hear that a lot this year. He's a unique dude. There's no question about that. Uh, I guess, though, it's commitment, right? He's ready to go. He's got his pads. Let's get this started.
0: Now, you've talked this before, and he has an RV that he travels around in. Is that all year round hey. or just the offseason? season?
1: I don't know if he still got it. Probably a good question for him, this, but he did. I remember one summer there was a big story, I want to say in Sports Illustrated, about how he had parked the RV out in front of one of the gyms, and and that's where he stayed the whole summer. He lived literally across the street from from a gym. He went in there, he did his workouts, got everything done he needed to get done, go back to sleep in the RV at night. So he is about as unique a personality, as unique a human being as you're going to get in the NFL. I think he's going to be somebody who's really fun to cover, and I think really fun for Colts fans to interact with this year.
0: I think it was hard. I think it was the Browns hard knocks a few years ago, where the Browns quarterbacks like got an RV and like a place for them to kind of like go like study, watch film, like kind of just like bond. Was like this RV parked in like the team facilities parking lot. I the Blue Horseshoe Pod does not do a lot of investigative journalism. I think maybe our first big investigative journalism case. Should be you, George, trying to get on Gardner's RV. If it's in the parking lot, get a tour, see what the the life is like, and just kind of get all the answers as to what goes on in that RV. That could be, I think, that could be the one that really puts on the map here.
1: Get it all, get it all sorted out. It's going to be the new clubhouse for for Anthony Richardson and Sam Ellinger. It does sound like there'd be wild parties in there. Richardson will be in his playbook, just studying away. And it, Sam's always seemed like that guy too. And maybe they'll study the playbook together, but. Uh, it does sound like it would be raucous environment in that RV. For all his
0: quirks, he does Gardner Mitchell is not to like a party guy. No Still guy, I think I don't think he would like people trashing his RV. I think that would be like a, a serene place to escape maybe the yelling and intensity more than, hey, let's go fry it up. It's a Friday night, you know, keg stand at, at Gardner's RV is what I would say.
1: Serene, I think is the right word with with uh, Gardner. Very chill guy, very very laid back, very. Uh, but you know, also a, a big competitor. I'll tell you right now. I've looked at those rookie numbers before. You would take his numbers for Anthony Richardson this year in a heartbeat. hit Gardner's rookie year, twelve starts. And he was six and six, had about thirty seven hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns, six interceptions, something like that. You would take that for Anthony Richardson, hands down.
0: Let's see, just to get you the exact numbers here, George. I apologize. My internet is not exactly the fastest. (laughs) But Okay, here we go. 2019. Played the 14 games. I think you're right about the 12 starts. Uh, 60% completion percentage. We'll take that. 3,200 passing yards. Take that. Like I said, 21 and 6. You're 100% right about that. 91 QB rating. Not bad.
1: I always sign up for that right now. If you said Anthony Richardson, replicate those numbers – I would sign up for that
0: right now. 33 sacks. Hopefully, not. That would not be ideal. And we'll get into one thing about the sacks here in a second. Otherwise, I'm with you. 21 touchdowns, six picks, 3,200 passing yards. I think you feel pretty good, 100% about Gardner's rookie year numbers for Richardson here in, uh, in 2023. But Gardner, man, is always, always has you think about something that could be, watch out. So that's why now's the time to subscribe and download podcast, YouTube, Blue Horseshoe, possibly investigates. Gardner, Minshew's RV, if he does bring to training camp, hopefully so, fingers crossed. I mean, that could be um, – that would probably be the best thing we've ever done, George. Not to diminish any previous pods or any previous work, that I think would be the, the best thing we've ever done.
1: That would be huge. There, there's no question about it. That Gardner is one of a kind. There's no question about that either.
0: That's why you we both went to school, but especially you being a journalist, that's why you studied. That's why you worked hard. That's why you got into the industry, to break stories and investigate – what the hell does Garner do on his RV and what is actually in there? I could see him surround him having like the sound of like a cool, refreshing Creek just kind of always on maybe some nice, like sense that you know, aromas that just kind of calm the body serene place uh, of escape, Absolutely. especially now training camp, which uh, we'll get in here in a second. Actually, let's get into it now Shane uh, Chris I did expect it's going to be a tough training camp. So they want to, you know, be intense. That would be physical. You're going to push, but not push too hard. It does sound like the intensity, maybe compared to previous years, is going to be at a higher premium uh, this training camp. Which, again, I think for a, a young team, a team that's still licking their wounds from last year and, and a few previous embarrassments the last few years where they have underperformed, I know you could only do so much because so many rules now prevent, you know, tough grinding two-a-days and how much does it actually benefit the team, but I think still a little physicality and a little toughness is exactly what this team needs, especially in these next uh, few weeks here.
1: Yeah. And I, they're quick practices. I mean, all we've got right now is a schedule, but most of them are like an hour, hour and 15 minutes uh, until right at the end when the bears come in. So I think that's kind of going in, in hand in hand with what Chris Ballard is talking about, pushing them, but understanding where to let back. And and so if you're going to be more intense, maybe you have it be a little bit shorter of a practice, uh, so the guys can recover and can, you know, get ready again for the next day. I think there's a few more rest days in than that's just anecdotal. I, I can't, you know, I haven't looked back through, but it feels like uh, there's a few more rest days in there than, than there have been in the past. Um, but that's, again, if you're going to go harder, you're going to push that envelope. That's what you would expect to see. So shorter practices, more intense sessions while they're out there. Um, I think for young guys, I'm all for it.
0: Absolutely, and we'll see how you know how they do respond to that. More efficient practices, which you would think now with attention spans all over being shorter, quick practices, intense, no, not a lot of downtime. Hopefully, like I said, you get a lot more working in a short amount of time. The guys respond well to that. Hopefully, more is learned, more is absorbed, and sharper going into um, this year where we have seen Frank Reich teams in previous years get off to slow starts and have to dig their way out. Hopefully this year we could see even again with questions and stuff like that, a faster start to the season, more crispness, less sloppiness than what we've seen in previous years. Hopefully kind of like I said, the change of training camp attitude and physicality can help kind of like I said, mold the team faster than in previous years. Two quick things before you get out of here, George, and at least reacting to a lot of the players talking today and Chris Bauer talking today. We mentioned before Shaq Leonard, uh, off the or not on the pup list. I should say he's not off because he never was on it. He is past his physicals. So he is not going to start the year on pup. A lot of off nagging injuries the Colts have had seemingly so far. Again, just being extra cautious a lot. The health going into training camp it really is exactly where you want it for the most part, where two guys, Tyquan Lewis and Will Mallory, uh, Will Mallory are the two guys that are going to start the year on pup, neither seem like they're going to be on there for an extended amount of time. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be in the field after missing all of off-season workouts. Jelani Woods is clear to go. Obviously, Shaq Leonard's clear to go. Drew Ogletree is is heading the right direction. Juju Brants is going to be on the field. So even though some of those guys are going to be limited, George, and maybe eased into training camp, not getting the green light right away, it's really good from a health perspective that a lot of the guys that miss off-season workouts are at least going to be on the field in some capacity for training camp, which, again, with a, with a young team, new quarterback. Health, I think, to start training camp, it's about as good as you could possibly ask for.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important for him because, you know, not to bang on the young team drum too much, but uh, a lot of these guys weren't on the field together yet. You know, this defense has not played with Juju Brents. Uh, Jelani Woods has not been out there in an 11-on-11 setting with Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew. Obviously, Drew Ogletree hasn't been out there yet with those guys. Uh, So I think even if it's a limited situation, you know, even if some of these guys are just doing individual work, just to get them out there, running around with their teammates, letting people get a feel for each other again a little bit, I think is huge. When when there's so many new faces, and obviously the offense is just completely reworked. um, To get everybody together, I think, is no small step in in this process. And they they really weren't able to do that in the spring, and it looks like they're going to be able to do it here really early in camp. So I, I think that's just offensively and defensively. The defense has a similar system, but they've got almost entirely new secondary and you're going to try to work Shaquille Leonard back in there, which obviously he's going to have a major impact on this team, but how many guys on that defense have played with him before, you know, Franklin has linebackers have Stewart and uh, Buckner up front have, but there's a lot of guys who will be stepping on the field for the first time with him tomorrow, even if he's just limited. Those are, to me, those are huge steps as you're trying to build chemistry and a lot of those sort of, intangible things that that affect the team over the course of the season.
0: And that was one concern I had going to training camp when we talked on last week's pod was the fact that just like, even though it wasn't major injuries, Michael Pittman, Jr., Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, Josh Downs, Drew Ogletree, like a lot of guys, Jonathan Taylor, that especially on offense, that Anthony Richardson needs to be developing chemistry with and start to learn how to throw the ball to a lot of those guys, even though if they were present there, not on the field, with a young rookie quarterback. So it's good to, to see at least that, even though they m- missed some valuable offseason time to start kind of getting that at least ground level built of chemistry and continuity back in, you know, April and May and June, at least now you can kind of get off to a, a good start in training camp where now everyone, at least in some capacity, you'll be on the field getting ready. And it is interesting to hear. And it's nice, at least to see that, even though what isn't happening in a team setting at the facility, Michael Pittman Jr. did reveal. That him, what was it ninety seven percent? I think was the percentage they threw out there. George basically of the offensive skilled players were able to meet in Florida for a few days, get workout, you know, get workouts in. So even though they weren't able to do it again at OTAs and minicamp, at least going in training camp, it's nice that everyone's healthy. But also there's a little bit of chemistry developed already, and that's obviously obviously gonna be huge for the development uh, for Anthony Richardson.
1: Yeah, those kind of things are, are tremendously big, and Pittman putting that together. Uh, being a driving force behind that, showing a little bit more leadership for him as he's in a contract year as well. Uh, I think that was a big step for him. Uh, my favorite part of that story is the one that Alec Pierce kind of let out there though. Anthony Richardson rolling up to the U wearing a Gator shirt. That takes, that takes a lot of confidence.
0: I love it. That's the confidence Colts need. Go in there, big bravado. Hey, I'm not afraid to be on enemy territory here and show you who I am. I love it. I absolutely, I'm just trying to check. I don't think they played last year, but I was going to say, that would be even more badass if they did play. (laughs) They did not play. That would be even sweeter if you walked in there after like smoking them last year and not to everyone. I am here and I own you,
1: but I like the confidence, George. That's what we need, baby. A little bit of swagger. Colts need a little bit of that. I I think this quarterback, I don't think I'm going on a limb here. I think Anthony Richardson will be the quarterback with the most swag in, in Colts history. I don't know that they've really been known for having a lot of swag at at QB. Are you sure?
0: You're mean to tell me that a quarterback went to Stanford, that had a flip phone didn't have any swag, George.
1: It was a different kind of (laughs) with with Andrew. Uh, You know, you go back through, I mean, they haven't had a a lot of really oversized personalities or, or big characters at at that quarterback was even Peyton Manning. You know, on the commercials, he's hysterical, but on a football field, not so much. Very much no. a surgeon, very, you know, rules oriented and, and and very by the book. Um, I can't think of maybe Charlie Charlie Whitehurst was probably. I think there's a little bit of Minshew and Charlie. Or Jesus. Yeah, that that might be the most like interesting character who's who's been under center for him. I think the the quarterback room as a whole, because I think Minshew and and Richardson together, probably the biggest personalities they've had at that spot. But I think Richardson's going to bring a lot of swag. This franchise, you know, it'll be fun to see how how that goes.
0: Doesn't hurt, right? Doesn't hurt to have a quarterback that's open, that's confident, that's walking around a little bravado. I I agree, yeah. No, in all seriousness, you are 100% right. This is the most swag the Colts have had at quarterback probably in my lifetime in my almost 30 years on this earth that I can't remember that was at least a legitimate contributor. No disrespect to Charlie Whitehurst, but like you said, yeah, clipboard Jesus hits a little different when you're holding a clipboard compared to when you're out there in the franchise quarterback. Um, finally, George, last thing we kind of hit on from the first day training camp is this look, it's obvious in the actions, right? So it's not like this is a surprise here from Chris Ballard's mouth, but clearly Chris Ballard is banking on the fact that last year's offensive line slip offensive line regression he is blaming and putting more on the coaching staff and the technique than the talent on the team again not shocking when you see basically that bernard ryman is the left tackle with no competition and it seems like will fry is gonna be the right guard with no competition whatsoever he's kind of doing the same thing we did last year he's not bringing in either established veterans or highly drafted players to come in and compete for those positions but you kind of looked at it's, you know, he's mentioned kind of before, he expects the offensive line going forward here to be a lot better. He's specifically pointing to Bernard Ryan taking a big step here in year number two, pointing that late, late in the year, the run game improved. It's obviously a, a, a gamble. I really hope Chris Ballard is right on. He's not a man who does take a lot of gambles. Um, for the most part, he is, I would say, very calculated and, and more risk averse. Um, but this is a massive, massive gamble that's going to have, Arguably, that's out of the quarterback. The biggest impact on how the Colts play and how the offense runs is that those five guys he's banking on to be better do actually improve. Or if they stay the same, it's going to be pretty ugly, George.
1: There's no doubt about it. I mean, he better be right on this one because this is the fastest way to implode the rookie quarterback's development and to undermine, you know, the the attempts of, that Shane Sykin has to, to put in his scheme. If the line isn't working, it's hard to imagine anything else on offense working. And, you know, that's really where the downhill slide started last year. There were a lot of problems. Matt Ryan had to hold on to the ball much better. Uh, the injuries did not help this team, but it all started with the offensive line taking that step back and the offense couldn't recover. And you figure, you know, whether it's Minshew back there or Richardson, pass protection is going to be of the utmost importance. They need to get that running game going again. They need to get Jonathan Taylor back into being one of the most feared guys in the NFL None of that happens without the offensive line. So like you said, Ballard today, you really only mentioned two reasons uh, that he had optimism, even without making changes on this line. One of them was scheme going to the, the, the coaches. And the other one was that he felt like they finished the year in a better place and that they were going to you know, be able to take a step forward. It, it's a massive gamble uh, because it better be right. I mean, it, there's no way around it. You don't, coach around the offensive line. You don't scheme around the offensive line. You know, they've got to go out and do their job or literally nothing else works.
0: You were at like in person at Chris Ballard's press conference today. And we were talking just before the show started, you sensed a demeanor of not a lot of angst of maybe some calmness from Bower that you don't really, even though it's a year, that again is a, a big one in terms of for this team and hoping, hopefully kind of shaping the way they go here for, uh, for the future, you didn't get a sense that even though, again, you kind of follow the normal hierarchy, okay, the coach is fired. If that still doesn't work and nothing changes, usually next to go is the GM, especially with the rookie quarterback there. You didn't get the sense today, George, safe to say that you felt a like Chris Bauer going into his training camp and basically de facto opening 2023 press conference that he feels that his job is on line this year. Is that correct?
1: Correct. He seemed very confident, very calm. Um, you know, he was – joking with one of the reporters about working out over the summer and he was, you know, just very much himself. I think he was asking Bob Kravitz about when the the golf tournament that he hosts every year is, it did not seem like a guy with a lot of worries right now. And part of that's his personality. I mean, that's, that's how Ballard's been most of the time since he's gotten here. But, you know, last year you saw a little bit of angst, you know, going back to that Jeff Saturday press conference, there was some angst and even, even, you know, at the Combine, there was, I don't want to say combativeness, but there was a little bit more fire, something there, a little bit, you know, it, it wasn't a calm, relaxed Chris Ballard. Today, it absolutely was. It, it was, and so, you know, is he happy about where the team is right now? That's that's the feeling I got. You know, he's very excited about this young group, and he likes the way things have come together. He seemed like a really calm, relaxed general manager. Now, will he still be that way in September, October, November? We'll see. But on start Train Camp today, absolutely.
0: I asked that to set up my point here. I want to see if you agree or not to kind of finish this pot off. I think for the most part, Ballard is safe and is pretty assured to be back here in 2024. I think, though, the one thing that could get him fired, the one thing that if it goes wrong will end up, in I think Jim Mercer having no choice but to fire him, is the offensive line to take a step back. Because we talked about it, right? If the offensive line plays like they did last year, somehow it even gets worse than they were last year. And if Anthony Richardson overwhelmed, the offense stinking, Richardson's development hurt because they can't even call a play because they can't block anyone to save their life, kind of in part what we saw a lot of Matt Ryan last year happen. I think that's the only area, because of the failed – um, upgrades at left tackle because of the failed upgrades at right guard, and him basically for the second year in a row, even though it didn't work in year one, running that same philosophy back in year number two of, Hey, we're fine, we're just gonna, you know, we like what we have, we're just gonna trust that these guys are gonna be better. If that fails for a second year in a row, and now you're impacting a rookie quarterback, um, and his development, I think that's the only way Ballard fails. If Richardson's up and down, I don't think he's fired after year number one because I think ups and downs are expected. If the secondary stinks. Again, I don't think that really is going to impact him or, or lead to his uh, demise as Colt GM. I think the only position group that if they really struggle will get him fired is off line because he had a chance to fix it, refused to, and is basically doubling down on a philosophy that failed this time last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's really doing the same thing all over again. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see if he's right, if this this line was moving in the right direction and the coaching change will will be enough to push him forward, then, you know, he'll get high marks for that. And if he's not, it's definitely going to be a stain, and it's going to be something that a lot of questions are asked about because they were asked coming into the season. you know, if the line can't get it back together, there's going to be even harder questions asked about why that was the case. But there's no doubt. Jim Mercer has shown that he has a ton of confidence in Chris Ballard, um, and he has said himself, you know, the owner – that this could be a year that that has a lot of bad with it. That, that you know they're ready to go through the growing pains this year to get to where they think they need to be. So I don't. There's a lot of pressure on the GM. There is a lot of pressure on the offensive line. There's no question about that.
0: That it is. And we you know fingers crossed that we'll see. I mean, well, actually we're not going to see tomorrow, Wednesday. That is because Levine be Shorts T-shirt to not be hitting whatsoever. But it's definitely going to be one of the storylines to watch this training camp without a doubt. The development, not even just of Ryman and fries but just over the overall cohesion of the unit of five guys across so they can kind of improve from what was a pretty treacherous 2022 season. So the first day of school, George, is in the books. Report day on Tuesday. No drama, and that's kind of one of the things we talked about um, and, and one of the highlights to watch here. No drama for the most part, a pretty smooth off season, Uh, And least started training camp, which is kind of, not always been the case, as we know, in, uh, in Colts land And let's say, the last five years or so. Just one or two stories that have kind of blown up and uh, got the Colts a lot of national attention and a lot of unwanted national attention. But everyone reported the way they should. Jonathan Taylor's here. No worries about a holdout. Shaq Leonard's not on PUP. Even though it's a very minimal Tuesday to start, George, I would say it's a, uh, it's a successful one. You know, I can't talk, so maybe that's time to end the pod. But it's kind of good to get the first day out and very excited to see really what a true Shane second led practice is going to look like on Wednesday here, but optimism is high. No reason on the first day to have any negativity, George, so far, so good.
1: So far, so good. They got a clean slate. I think that's the most important thing that they're looking at. You know, like we talked about at the top of the show, you want to put last year behind you as quickly as possible. And I think today it was a step in the right direction, you know, to, to let everybody know it's a new era. Uh, there's a lot of new faces, and they're going to get started on Wednesday and then Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a packed house. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see two sold out practices coming up Friday and Saturday. Uh, fans are excited. The players seem excited. I know the coaching staff is excited. Uh, you know, here we go.
0: Here we go. Training camp 2023. New coach, new quarterback officially underway. So we are now in case you missed it. Here's our schedule. We're going to be here a ton. Every single practice the Colts have, we will be recording a pod afterwards. Even though this one is still a little bit longer in the hour range, our pods now are going to be more frequent and also a little bit shorter, kind of really give you almost an instant reaction, instant impact to what we see on a daily basis, what are biggest storylines coming out of X day of Colts practice, who looks good, who looks bad, St- you know, storylines that we should be holding on to as truth. Sometimes we can push off to the side and say, ah, oh, that's just more, you know, nonsense We are going to be here almost daily. We will be back on Wednesday, first day of Colts practice. So make sure if you haven't before, now's the time to do so. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Blue Horseshoe Podcast. And on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, Blue Horseshoe Pod as well. You can visually see me and George. George, I'm sure we'll be doing these a lot just behind the practice field. So you can get a nice little background there, especially on a nice, beautiful day out at Grand Park. So that's also a beautiful backdrop to enjoy while you're watching and or listening to us. So we're going to be here a lot more in your lives. Welcome. Football season, George, is officially back. So if you listen to this on Tuesday, we'll talk to you tomorrow. If you listen to this on Wednesday morning, we'll talk to you in a few hours. But make sure, again, we'll be back on Wednesday. First day of Colts practice in the books. We'll give you all the hot takes that you need in the first ever Anthony Richardson-Shane Seiken-led training camp practice for the Indianapolis Colts. So have a great day. We'll talk to you on Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.